Real Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Welcome to Real Cuff Radio. And tonight we have one of our most requested speakers. And she is going to be introduced by my mom, Sandra. So, Mom, if you'll go ahead and introduce her, we'll get okay. going. Okay, Todd. I'm real excited. I've known Marcia for over 40 years. My mom knew her longer than that. And three weeks ago today, my mom went to be with the Lord. She was over 98 years old. And... I called Marcia that night, but I called her not grieving or sad that mom was gone. I was just rejoicing that she was seeing loved ones, seeing Jesus. And by the time we got off the phone, Marcia had shared stories of those that that the Lord sent her to see right before they passed. And I, I told Todd, I said, Todd, we've got to interview Marcia and let her share some of those things. People are grieving today after someone, even, even when they know that the person knows the Lord, then they still have a grief that uh, need not be, it needs to be joyful. So Marcia, I just am so glad you're here again and, and just please share whatever the Lord gives you. Okay, something you said, and by the way, before we go any further, I want to introduce Sandra to you. Sandra is a mighty woman of God, a speaker in her own right, and she is a tremendous artist in clay. And so I want you to know you're hearing from a mighty woman of God introducing me. And um, I have found a pattern that just all of a sudden one day I, I noticed that has taken place when I've been with several people that were getting ready to depart. And by the way, you'll note that word depart rather than die because we know that for the Christian, we do not die, we depart. In the New Testament, it tells many times about how... Um, they they departed, and uh, Jesus even said, I'm getting ready to depart, and that means that we live again, and uh, I was so excited when she began to tell me about her mother. I said, please don't take this wrong, but I am so excited about your mother's departure, and she kind of laughed and said, well, I I have felt the same way, and I don't know how to share that very much. And I began to talk with her about those that were ready to depart and how excited they were uh, in getting ready to see Jesus. I think the one that stands out most in my mind about um, someone being so excited, her name was Ruth Schumach. And Ruth, I lived with Ruth and and Dan Schumach in Austin, Texas, uh, during the summer of my 16th year. And uh, Dan and my father were uh, ministering together in evangelistic tent meetings. So anyhow, um, Ruth had, uh, later on in life, uh, became very ill. In fact, she'd fought illness for 
long times during their life and came through uh, miraculous uh, testimonies of healing faith. And and so when it came time for her uh, to go, uh, there was no turning back this time. Uh, her, it was time. And uh, she began to prepare, had a dress uh, made for her and by hand from someone, and she described her dress, and she said she wanted to look beautiful for Jesus. Well, it had ruffles on it, and she almost looked like a little girl in it. She was only a size one, just a slip of a lady, and... Um, we had went to see her, and she was she came bouncing to the door in her bedroom slippers and her uh, robe, and she said, "Guess what? I'm getting ready to go be with Jesus." And I looked at her, and I couldn't smile. I couldn't rejoice at that time. I mean, it was the first time I'd seen anyone this excited about going to be with the Lord. And she said, come here, come here. And she took my arm. Let me show you something. She took me to her closet where she pulls out this uh, lavender dress with flounces and frills. And she said, I had this dress made especially to see Jesus in. And this is what I'm going to wear when it's my time. And uh, I was trying to be happy for her, but I wasn't quite making it. And she saw my concern, and she said, what's wrong with you? Uh, You know, this is what we've lived for all of our lives, and we ought to be excited about it. And I said, well, I'm I'm strangely uh, affected by it, but not really as excited as you are. And I know you're excited about seeing Jesus, but she says, well, let let me show you. I'm going to show you how I'm going to look in it. She takes it out of the closet and folds down the hanger, holding it in her arm, and she goes in and lays on her bed and says, now, and she closed her eyes, and she says, tell me how I'm going to look. And I said, you're going to look beautiful. And I left there thinking about heaven. I left there thinking about how we talk about heaven, but none of us want to go in the next load. You know, we've got things to do. We've got places to go. Uh, and and we say we love the Lord. We want to see him. But there's this reluctance because, you know, you have to give up your breath to depart. And I've had my breath almost taken from me several times, and it didn't feel so good. So I didn't know if I was excited about actually making the initial step over into heaven or not until some other things began to happen. You know, God has a way of preparing us. I uh, I think of uh, one lady by the name of Earlene Tucker. Earlene's husband was the editor on the on the paper in Waco, Texas, and they had never had children. And when I met Earlene, she her husband was bedfast, and she was the caretaker of him. But she also had meetings on Friday nights at her house for I don't know how many years. She was uh, he was very quiet. And he uh, uh, was the editor uh, of the paper. And she was uh, not gregarious, but very warm-hearted, loved the Lord with all of her heart, and was considered a mother to so many in the Waco area. 
mother in the Lord, and uh, she just was a mighty woman of God. Well, she invited us many times to her Friday night prayer meetings, and we would speak and minister, and they packed this little house out. They would pack it out with people on the porch and all around and had tremendous meetings. Well, one day, Sister Erlene Tucker fell and broke her hip. Well, she had uh, given power of attorney over herself to a couple that they'd been very close with. And so uh, Sister Erlene went into a nursing facility to uh, or a rehab at first, and then she uh, eventually went into a nursing facility. And uh, so I, I was very concerned about her. She was such a lovely lady. I mean, everything was just lovely about her, about her home, about her decorating. She was just a real lady. Uh, uh, and I longed to be like Sister Aline. She was just precious. So one night I was coming from Austin, Texas, on the way to Dallas, and I got into the Waco uh, area. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, go by and see Erlene Tucker in the nursing home. Well, it was 1030 at night. And, you know, they closed the doors early. And, but I, I felt it again, go see Erlene Tucker. So I go to uh, the, the nursing facility and I go to the back emergency door, ring the doorbell. And I asked if I there was any possible way I might could see Erlene that I was coming through town and that I was a minister of the gospel. And uh, I know she would love to see me. And I received the news that Erlene was in a coma. And uh, I, I said, well, if she's in a coma, and they said, we have her in a separate little room by herself, and she's getting ready to go uh to heaven. So I said, well, then I wouldn't bother anyone if I saw her, would I? And I wouldn't bother Earlene either. And they said, well, okay, we'll let you go in and see her. So they assigned one nurse to take me and show me where she was. And she, they instructed her to wait with me and then uh, see that I made it back out of the building. And so we're standing there and we go in this very small little room and it was just only big enough almost for a hospital bed and, and some trays in there that were standing. And I looked at Sister Early, and she had the most beautiful white hair. And, you know, even into her old age, she had beautiful, beautiful teeth. And um, she, she was a lovely lady, but she was laying there in repose and... I just reached over and I took her two big toes. I wanted to connect with her. So I just took, took a hold of her toes. And uh, I began to talk to Erlene as though she could hear me. And I said, Erlene, I want you to know I've come to see you. And I just want you to know that I'm, I realize that you're getting ready to go be with the Lord. And I, I, I want to pray with you, and I want to praise God for you because you've touched my life. I began to tell her what she had meant to my life as a young girl and, and encouraging me and, and coming to see John and I uh, in the early years. And one time, making dinner in Waco and bringing it all the way to, to uh, the Dallas area 
to feed us a lunch on a Sunday afternoon. And so there, there I stood, and I began to feel the tears run down my face as I held on to her toes, and I began to praise God for this woman that had sacrificed her life for the gospel, had worked with women, had uh, and had touched many lives and many young preachers whom she had prayed over and uh, mentored. And so as I as I began to pray, then I began to pray in my prayer language and I began to just weep and thank God. And then all of a sudden, I began to just rejoice. I felt the Spirit of the Lord come upon me. I said, Oh, Lord, she's getting ready to see you soon. I'm so excited, and I'm praying in my prayer language and just praising God. When Earlene opens her eyes and starts praying in the Spirit with me, and shouting in between gasps and and uh, and I got so excited and we were just laughing and we began to talk then about some of the things that we had done and and how God had had moved mightily in those years and and different ones who had been touched from the Lord and and his hand and had given their hearts to the Lord. And, oh, she was so excited. And then she looked up at me. She said, I knew you would be here. And I said, well, how did you know I was going to be here? She said, I saw you driving down the highway. You know, I'm getting ready to go be with the Lord. And and he spoke to me and told me that uh, I would see you driving down the highway. And I did. And I saw you driving. And I heard the I heard the Lord speak to you and say you're to go see uh, Erlene Tucker, and she said I've been waiting on you to get here, and I went my goodness so we were laughing and just rejoicing in the Lord, and when we got through uh, by the way we did lose the nurse she hopped out of there quick, but she did bring one back by and they stood outside the door looking in. But we had ourselves a time, and then she said, it's time for me to go now. It's time for me to go. And she gave me instruction upon instruction of what I was to do and how I was to behave (laughs) and how I was to never give up. And she encouraged me in the Lord. And she said, you know, you, you, you've got to be patient, Marcia, and you've got to, you've got to wait upon the Lord. And she, her instruction was so precious. And I, I wept as she spoke to me and she gave me the last words of encouragement. And she ministered. I was the last one she ministered to. And so pretty soon she said, I'll see you over there. And I said, and I'll see you there too. And she closed her eyes and went back into the coma and then went on to be with the Lord later. Oh my goodness gracious, I tell you what, what a joyful time we had. And I, I thought, my goodness, how we could even be driving in the middle of the night somewhere and God can speak to us, stop off and then use us for his glory. But um, I'd like to, if it's okay with you, I'd like to share with you another one. Uh, This is uh, about, I'm sure people in the Dallas area would remember Deacon Don Evans. Uh, He was one of the uh, uh, speakers and, what do they call him, a disc jockey on uh, KLTY? I believe it was KLTY. And anyway, he he would... uh, 
he was such a wonderful man of God, and he and Gloria had attended our church, and uh, we had we had worshipped together, and. Uh, in the months before Deacon Don Evans went to be with the Lord, uh, once in a while, John and I would take dinner with us and go to their home and uh, where his wife, who still had to work, uh, wouldn't have to cook, and we'd get to eat our dinner, and he would enjoy home cooking. But it came a time when he said, this is it. Don't come back anymore. I'm I'm getting ready to go, and I know, know it. So uh, I received a call that... He was in the hospital, and uh, that he was uh, in a coma. And so John and I drove to the hospital. I told John, I said, John, I, I believe the Lord's putting it in my heart that uh, we were to be there when he when he goes to be with the Lord. And so um, he he was so excited about it, and and uh, just uh, before before he had ever went into that coma. So I said, you know, anyone that excited about seeing the Lord, I want to be there with them when they go because things happen many times. Uh, you know, for the Christian, uh, the Bible says in Hebrews ten that he takes away he takes away the uh, fear. He takes away the fear. In the face of death, he takes away the fear. And I, I like to see how people meet the Lord uh, because it's a very holy time. It's precious. It's a precious in the sight of the Lord. It's the death of his saints. And um, and so I, I went to uh, uh, into the room. And they said, he, he's just holding on by a thread. And I said, well, let's just praise God and let's be here for him as he steps into heaven. And, uh, and they said, okay. So we begin to praise the Lord. And all of a sudden I said, look outside. Look way out there. Some tree, uh, trees are moving. Well, it wasn't a time for trees to move. It was the wind had not been blowing. And all of a sudden the wind, it, you could see the wind coming through the trees into that third story hospital. And uh, and all of a sudden, it was right there at the window. The winds were, I said, I believe that is the Holy Spirit. The winds of the Holy Spirit are coming to take you, Don. You're getting ready to step over into glory. And I'm to tell you, don't be afraid. And I took a hold of his big toes. And I said, Don, we're going to praise God with you as you go forth. And you go forth to meet the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. The heavenly hosts are waiting to take you right over. And I said, oh. Oh, my goodness. And I felt the presence of the Lord in that room. We all did. And the hair on our, our, uh, our arms just rose up. I said, do you? And we all agreed. We felt the presence of the Lord there. And all of a sudden, there was something moving on the ceiling. Uh, like a, it, it, There was something hanging from the light fixture. And it was moving. I said, look at here. That wind had quit blowing outside. We felt the wind of the Holy Spirit in that room actually moving all around us and I said oh my goodness the Holy Spirit is here go Don go go Don go and and we began to pray in the spirit and all of a sudden he took one last breath and went and there he went and flew away and everything got quiet there was no wind 
there was nothing. And the peace of God filled that room. It was so beautiful. It was glorious. And I thought, my word, I have never thought I'd ever like to be with anyone who's passing uh, away. But you know what? For the Christian, it is a glorious experience. And since then, I've heard of so many that tell of their experiences with their loved ones and with friends who have gone on to be with Jesus of things that took place. So, oh my goodness, I was excited. I was excited. There was also a man by the name of Monty Phillips. Monty and Barbara used to take uh, our little children to many times to uh, Six Flags or they would take them places with them. They loved our children. And a lot of times on a weekend, John and I would be holding a retreat for women and uh, couples, men and women, and and uh, we would be getting ready to minister to couples. And Monty and Barbara would take our children and, and for us and let us be free to do these things. And uh, we were so blessed because of them in our lives. And they were wonderful, wonderful friends. We got word that Monty was in the hospital over in Fort Worth getting ready to go be with the Lord. And the Holy Spirit just put it, I had just came out of a meeting when I heard that someone had called me. And so I I uh, drove to Fort Worth and went into the hospital. The Holy Spirit said, you must be there. And so I go in and I went into the hospital room and Monty was in a coma. And so uh, I took, a, you know what, I took his big toes again and I held on, you know, that's a way you can just maybe connect. And so I I took a hold of his big toes and his wife was sitting there not saying a word. And, and I said, Monty, I've come to tell you goodbye. But first of all, I want to thank you for being a godly husband, a, a friend, and for helping John and I, for you being willing for you and Barbara to take our children to the Six Flags and to do things that sometimes we did not have the money to do with in the ministry. And I said, you've been good to us, and I want to thank you. I just And I began to weep and thank God for Monty. And all of a sudden, I said, Monty, I sense angels in this room. They're all around us in here. And I said, Monty, you can see them can't you? I know you can. And, and, uh, I went up and took his hand and I said, Monty, if you can, if you can hear me squeeze my hand. Well, he didn't squeeze my hand, but I knew that he could hear. I said, you know, I've heard people in a coma here. And so I know you're hearing me. And Monty, I want to tell you that, that the Lord, uh, isn't through with you yet. In fact, God's speaking to me. There's one thing you've got left to do, and you haven't done it. Well, his wife looked up at me and frowned. I mean, he was getting ready to go be with the Lord. And I said, Monty, I speak to you to wake up and open your eyes. And nothing happened. And I said, in the name of Jesus, Monty, open your eyes. And uh, and I began to pray in the Spirit, and nothing happened. Well, I did what I thought I was supposed to do, but she looked at me and she she just shook her head and bowed her head. And I thought, oh, my goodness, something's wrong here. But I said, Monty, there's one thing that you need to do. And I said, 
I said, I believe God's going to give you space to do it. But if for some reason I've missed this, I just want to thank you, and I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to go home, and I'm going to believe God that you're going to just walk into heaven shouting the victory. And so uh, I said, but uh, just know that uh, I have never forgotten your kindness. So I prayed for Monty, and it felt confusing to me. I remember going out of that hospital room and going down in the parking lot and standing by my car and looking up at the heavens and saying, God, that was the strangest thing I've ever done. And Lord, I bet they think I'm a nutcake, you know. But what I didn't know was happening. At that point in time, he was opening his eyes and saying, where's Marsha Kendall? I saw angels. I saw the angels she was talking about. I could see them. But she, he said, I'm hungry. Get me something to eat. And I've got to tell you where, the, where all of our papers are and what you need to do. That's the thing I've got to do. They said he was, he was awakened all through the night until about 4 or 5 o'clock the next morning, talking to his family, telling each one he loved them, giving instructions on what they needed to do. And there was things that they didn't know what to do about. And he gave them instruction. And I never knew this until some time later. There he came to, and he was, he was revived for enough time to do that last thing that he needed to do. You know, it's a great thing to go to be with the Lord, but it's always better if when you're in his timing and you're prepared, and the best way to be prepared is to accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart and not only profess him as your Lord and Savior, but possess him with such a zeal and a passion that you're willing to do whatever it takes to surrender your will to his will. We have to grow into that sometimes. Sometimes it's not easy to let loose of of what all is going on. But anyway, I've got... Uh, you know, I, I'm just going to go from story to story because these are true happenings that have happened to me. Mr. Jones lived across the street from us in Garland, and he and his wife were uh, precious, precious folks, but he had gotten hurt like a lot of people do in church. You know, uh, there's always, if if we are not careful, there's always someone that will... Uh, even whether it's uh, unintentional, and most of the time it is, uh, say something to hurt our feelings. So they had gotten kind of hurt and got out of church years before. And I used to talk to Mr. Jones because Mr. Jones, had, though he was a church member, had never given his heart to the Lord. So I'd talk to him about the Lord, and he'd say, girl, you're crazy. And he'd stand out by his boat to smoke because uh, his his wife wouldn't let him smoke in the house. And so uh, he'd stand out there and smoke his cigarettes and talk. And at one time, he was a driver. Uh, he, was, he drove uh, MacArthur around in his Jeep. He was his driver. And so... Um, he he would tell those stories and 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 laugh and he had uh, friends that would come and they'd stand out by the boat and smoke their cigarettes and and speak of the old times and and uh, of their days and in the service and and this type of thing and he might see me in the yard he'd say hey come over here and he'd say tell my friend here what you call me well we were 
in ministry going out in evangelism almost every weekend. And I, one time I told Mr. Jones, after he said he was going to watch over our place, I said, you know, you sound like the angels of the Lord. God says he gives the angels of the Lord to encamp all about you and keep you safe in all your ways. So I said, you know what? I'm going to call you Angel Jones. If you're going to take care of my property, I'm calling you Angel Jones. Well, I was calling that which is was not as though it might be. <laughs> and so I, I remember um, that Mr. Jones, as he got older, he and he was uh, getting much older and having ill health, that he would go to the hospital uh, uh, for emergency scares, you know, and and he, he his kidneys wouldn't work right, and his heart was giving him trouble, and and so I would go in, and I would never ask, but I'd say, Mr. Jones, I'm here to pray for you. I'd grab a hold of his toes, and I'd go to praying, and, and he'd go, hmm. You had to do that, don't you? And I said, yes, sir, because when I moved, uh, when I had moved to that house across from Mr. Jones, it had been 16 years, and at, I remember the first year I moved there, uh, I, I, God put it in my heart, I was going to win Mr. Jones to the Lord. So I never told him that, but I would go and I'd just pray for him, and, and he'd laugh, and, and he'd say, you know, she's got to do that. She thinks she's got to do that, but he was... I could tell he was afraid, and every once in a while, Miss Jones would say, Marcia, he's in the hospital, and he's asking for you to come to see him, and I knew it was because he was afraid, and he knew I could touch the Lord, and I'd go, and I'd pray for him, and miraculously, he'd get out of the hospital and come home. Well, one time, he fell and broke his hip. There he is in the hospital, and he's uh, in a coma because he had smoked so many years, they could not give him an anesthetic because they said his lungs were so coated that if they did, that it would uh, he might not make it. So they were waiting until they got some of the uh, nicotine out of his body and get his lungs cleared up so they could operate on him. In the meanwhile, he went into a coma. And it didn't look good. And Miss Jones called me, and she said, "Marsha, I'm afraid he he's in the hospital, and 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 I know he would want you to go to see him." She never said pray, but she said go to see him. So I uh, I said certainly, and I went over to Medical City and went into the emergency there uh, where he was being held, and. Uh, I remember standing by his bed and as he was in the coma and uh, by this time he was he was in intensive care by the way and I I looked at him and I said Mr. Jones I said you don't have permission to go anywhere right now I told him I said you know um I have 16 years ago God spoke to me I would pray with you and you would receive the Lord as your savior and so Mr. Jones I'm t- I'm going to tell you I'm here today for you and uh I'm going to pray a sinner's prayer I said if you if you can hear me squeeze my hand well sometimes they can but he could he couldn't squeeze my hand but again I knew what I'd heard people say that when someone's in a coma, that they do understand, and they can hear you. So I told him, I said, I'm going to pray a sinner's prayer, 
And I'd never th- really thought about it till then, but I said, you know, the Bible says he will do more than you can think or ask. So, Mr. Jones, if you're prepared, I want you to think this prayer. If you want to receive Jesus in your heart, know that when you f- meet God that that uh, we'll get to see each other again and that you'll be able to go to heaven. And, and uh, so I led him in a sinner's prayer. By the way, his son, Jerry, was over on the other side of Mr. Jones, standing there looking at me like a calf at a new gate and wondering what in the world I was doing. But I just kept on. You know, I wanted to be able to see him again, and I knew he needed to receive Jesus as his Lord and Savior. So I, we prayed, and I said, Mr. Jones, as a sign that what has happened is really from God, within three days you'll be in your own room. And Mr. Jones, I know you like to save money, but you won't go into a double room. You're going to find out that they're only going to have a room, a single room for you, that all the doubles will be taken, and you won't have to pay the big price. You'll be able to uh, have your single room. And then when you get in there, you call me, and I'll come back to see you. And, uh, and I'll see you then, Mr. Jones. I'll see you in three days. Well, the son wouldn't look at me when I walked out of that intensive care. But I went to see Miss Jones, and I said, Miss Jones, uh, your uh, husband is going to be out of the intensive care in three days. And I told her what I told him. I said, it's, uh, I said just, uh, just don't worry. And she quit crying. She said, I believe you. And, you know, his sister was there. Mr. Jones' sister and her husband was there. And she said, oh, wonderful. That's what the doctor said. I said, no, that's what I felt God put in my heart. And she went, oh, no. But on the third day, guess who called me? I got a call from Miss Jones. She said, Howard is in his own room, and it's a single room, just like what you said. And he says, please, come and see him. I walked in Howard. Jones room and he looked up at me and the first words he said was how do I know I've been reborn I said do you remember the other day when we prayed together when you were in a coma he said yes girl I thought the prayer just like you said but I didn't get to say it and what if I'm not really reborn what if it just I just thought that and I said well let's just take all the think out of it right now I want you to repeat after me the sinner's prayer and I took him through it and he I said okay that's good and then he began to tell me about what he wanted to do he wanted to take his wife Pat Jones on a vacation and he wanted to spend time with her and do began to tell me different ones he wanted to go visit with his wife and and uh, then it began to bother him again he says I, I I just I just gotta know that everything's okay how do I really know I've I, I've been reborn he kept saying reborn and that was good Nothing wrong with that. And I said, said, Mr. Jones, I've lived across the street from you for 16 years. I've never heard you say one kind word about your wife to me. And now you're telling me you want to take her on a vacation? Mr. Jones, you've been saved. You're born again. Don't you worry about it. And he went to laughing. He said, girl, you always were crazy. I said, I know. And Mr. Jones, I'm going to see you in heaven. Now, Mr. Jones lived for four months after that. Everyone that came to see him, he'd say, the man upstairs has touched me, and I'm a different person.
I tell you what, it's beautiful to see what God will do. How are we doing on time here? Have I overstepped my time? No, you're doing fantastic. (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful. Keep going. I get started, and I tell you what, I just, I just, uh, you know, doing a lot of living and and seeing a lot, the Lord do and touch people so many times, but. Um, you know, I I I think it I would be remiss if I didn't tell you at least one more. Uh, would that be okay? That'd be great. Sure. Okay. All right. This is about Sharon Wilson. Sharon Wilson was uh, she lived with a lady by the name of uh, uh, Nola. And and Nola and her, uh, uh, her husband w- took in Sharon, and they built actually a little apartment onto the back of their house for her. She was a widow and and had gone through difficult times. So, uh, but the thing about Nola and Sharon that were so fun is that they loved to sing mountaineer music, and they played mandolins and they played. Uh, uh, different music instruments, and I had used them in some of my conventions before that I did for women. And uh, 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 Nola was about six foot tall, skinny as a rail, and red headed. And um, Sharon was about five foot five, and she was a little dumpling with dark black hair. And both of them grin all the time and playing and singing, and they just sang these old country songs and uh, mountaineer songs about the Lord and were a real blessing. In fact, I got to yodel with them a couple times, so that was that was fun, and I felt, felt like I fit right in. But uh, anyway, I'd, I'd heard that when... Uh, Sharon hadn't been diagnosed with cancer and that it had been a long time since I'd seen him and said she's gone through quite a year, but she's getting ready to be with the Lord and she's in a coma. And uh, so I I said, well, um, the night before I had written her a letter, I felt like the Lord gave me a word for her. And so uh, then when I heard she was in a coma before I got to mail the letter, I... um, I uh, called Nola's house, and I said, "Could you tell me uh, what what all's happening?" and And she told me, and she said, "Sharon is in a in a coma, and we're waiting with her. She's had hospice and everything, and we're waiting now for her to go." And I said, "Well, I wrote a letter, and I said to her, I felt like God gave me something for her." And I said, "Well, I've got an idea." Put it up, put the phone up next to her ear, and let me just tell her what, uh, and I'll read the letter to her. And they said, well, okay. And so they uh, go into the room where she is and take the phone with them. And, and Sharon, uh, they said, uh, you know, she almost died last night. And uh, I said, oh, my. So I, I said, put that phone next to her ear. And I began to pray for for Sharon Wilson from up in Indiana. And uh, so pretty soon I heard her say, hello, I hear you, I hear you. And she began to praise God. Whoa, guess what? I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm I'm going to get to be with Jesus. And uh, I said, you are. And by this time, I could rejoice with her. Uh, I I was unable to do that so uh, not very well with 
blessed Ruth Schumach, but I did with Sharon. I said, well, Sharon, I'm excited for you. And I said, you know, by the way, I want to tell everyone, every one of these people that I would talk to, I'd say, now, when you get to heaven, you look up my parents and you tell them I said hi and tell them I love them and, and tell Jesus I'm on the way and to please help me because I'm doing the best I can, but I need more help. And they'd kind of smile and laugh. But, um, Anyway, as I talked to her, she says, oh, I'm seeing angels, I'm seeing angels. And one of them says, now, they tried to bring her to reality. She says, they won't believe me, and I'm seeing angels. I can see them. And I said, well, tell them to go out of the room. So she said, Marcia said, y'all are to go out of the room where where we can talk. And they said, they all did what I asked, and they left out. And so she said, oh. She said, if you could see what I'm seeing, she said, there's angels all around this room, and there's some across the room, and they're just laughing. They said, that Marsha Kendall, and they were laughing at she. She said, they're laughing at you and because uh, of what you're doing, and I said, well, good. Uh, and she she was she was laughing herself. She says, "I'm just so disappointed, though. I thought I got I would get to go last night, and it just wasn't my time." And she said, "I don't know why he's keeping me here." And she kept saying that several times. And I said, "Well, tell me about those angels that are that are around that room. Tell me what they're like." And and I got over to my word processor and I began to write the things that she was saying and and uh, write them down and. And as much as I could, as fast as I could, because she was talking fast and excited. And she said, they can't believe that it's real that I'm seeing these things. But I've even I've even seen over into heaven. And she said, there's things I've seen that are awesome. And she said, there's this place on the side of heaven. And she was excited. She was trying to tell me. And I said, well, oh, boy, I wish I could see it. She says, she, I, I said, tell me what it's like. And she said, well, there's people, all sorts of people in there getting ready to go to heaven. And she said, it's kind of a holding place. They're, they're sitting there and standing there, and some of them are crying. Some of them are all upset and because they're afraid. And I said, oh, my goodness, really? And she said, yeah. She said, oh, you are. She said, there's some things that I've seen that are so precious and sweet. I said, I wish you were up there where you could tell me uh, more. And she said, well, I can I can go anytime I want. I said, well, how do you get there? She said, in a thought vision. She said, I just think it and go. I said, well, would you think and go and let me know what's going on? She said, yeah, I can do that. So she says, okay, I'm here. I mean, didn't even, no space, no time. Okay, I'm here. And I said, well, look around and tell me what you see. She said, there's people everywhere. Some of them are visiting. Some of them are praying. Some of them are crying because they they don't want to go to heaven right yet. But she said, they're all uh, it's it's just a conglomeration of people, but she says it's it's pretty orderly. She said every once in a while, one of them will hear their name and they they take off and leave. And she said, well, there went one. And every once in a while, she'd say there went one. And and uh, I said, well, tell me the names of the ones that you heard that left. I may know somebody. And she said, well, I I we can't hear their name. And 
I said, well, I thought you said they hear their names. She said, they do, but not us. She said, when your name is called, you are the one that hears it. And and immediately your body just takes the first step to go. It's like, and she said, oh, there went another one. She said, oh, you ought to see this one. She said, there's a woman that's been crying and so upset, and she, it's not time, and she's heard her name, and she reached up to take her first step, and fear fell off of her like it was a coat on her or a cloak around her. It fell at her feet, and she went just shouting her way across. There's a river there, and they send somebody over to get you uh, when your name is called. They send somebody, and they take you by the hand and walk with you across this river. And I said, my goodness. I said, tell me something you're seeing right close to you. She said, well, there's this little boy. He's, he's the sweetest thing. He's on his knees, and he's raised his hands and saying, I'm here, Jesus. I'm ready. I'm ready. And she, he's way, ready to go and not afraid. Well, there went another one, she said. And she kept saying that. She'd say, it's amazing. They just, they just coming and go. They're coming into here, and they're leaving out of here one after the other she said it is beautiful it's what's going on and I said well you said you could see into heaven tell me what heaven's like and so she said on the left side there is a orchestra and she said there's one man that has a huge trumpet but it's not like any trumpet we've ever seen on earth it's huge and he when he blows it it goes all over heaven and she said uh, people come down and and take their place in the in the orchestra uh, when they hear someone's coming or one of their loved ones is coming she said they make preparation to come and to be here when they come through but they'll come and sometimes it's a day or two and they'll play there uh, with the music for others that are coming in and she said it's beautiful it's just wonderful she said oh I just heard it she said you won't believe the sound and I said well tell me about and I forgot the question I asked her and she says well I'm not allowed to tell you about that and then there were several other things she said I'm sorry I can't tell you about that there's some things we're not allowed when we get this far we can't tell but she said, I will tell you that my daddy died when I was eight years old. And five days ago, I saw him come to the edge of the river, and he's standing there waiting for me. And she said, he looks so young, and he's beautiful. I can't wait to see him. And he's waiting. He heard that I'm on my way, and he's been waiting for me for five days here. She said, now, it's a different time system so uh, than than what we've got and she said on right there in in back of the ones that are waiting on the river side she said there is a big choir and she said people take their turns singing in the choir they come down and they sing and and uh they help welcome people in well i tell you what for an hour and a half we had a most glorious time and all of a sudden, she said, oh, it's getting time for me to go. She said, I can't. Oh, wait a minute. I know why I haven't gone. She said, it was you. I needed to tell you three things for people to know. Three things before I can go. I've got to tell this to you. And you must tell as many people as you can. And I said, I will. And 
every time the Lord tags me to tell that, I will share that. But first of all, she said, tell people that God is nothing like what they think he is. Well, I've always considered him kind of like a man. He would look, you know, and I said, well, is he a man? What does he look like? And she said, I'm not allowed to tell you. She said, but just know you will be astounded. You will be astounded. And she said, well, she said, the second thing is to tell people that they don't have to be afraid, that when they take the first step into heaven, toward going to heaven, she said that fear will fall off from them like an old cloak falling to the ground. And the third thing she said, tell people Jesus is coming soon, and they must get ready. They must be ready because he's coming soon, and he wants them to be ready and not to be ashamed, and he's giving them time. And she said, tell tell the people for me, will you? And I said, I'll do it. And she said, well, it's time for me to go. Oh, but there were some angels that I haven't talked with you about. Oh, and, and I don't know uh, how how uh, I don't have a clock in front of me, so I know we've, we're on a limited time here. But uh, one day I'll tell you about especially two angels that were on either side of her, she said, at the bedside. And, and uh, you know, we were always trying to find her another husband. Now, that's kind of a little uh, LOL, laugh out loud. And us women do that. You know, we, we, we like to see someone be as happy as we are. So we try to find someone that's worthy of our friends. <laughs> and so she, she did tell me, she said, can you believe they are so beautiful and gorgeous? She said, they are hunks. <laughs> And uh, and so uh, we had ourselves a great time. We were we were uh, excited about it. And when she got off the phone with me, she said, "Now I must go, and I'll tell you goodbye, and I'll see you there." I said, "Well, tell me something. Will you come up? Will you be on the other side waiting for me? And 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 can we sing together and yodel together one more time when I come to heaven?" She said, "You bet." We're going to do it. And she said, you just keep doing what you're doing for the Lord. And uh, I know I've put it in a concise form, but, oh, it was so exciting. And I know that Jesus is coming again. It pays for us to be ready. And if there's anything in the hearts of those that are hearing right now that needs to be made right, it doesn't take but just a moment. And just ask the Lord to help you if if you... Um, if you've had a problem uh, loving some people, just tell God, and the Lord will help you to uh, be able to forgive them if they've offended you or hurt you. But um, And some of them, it may take 70 times to forgive them, but just say you do, and the Lord will take over. And he, hear, he hears your heart when you say you want to be right with him. And trust me, he'll make it to be so, too. So uh, I've, it's been exciting being able to share with you tonight. All these great stories. Awesome. I know it's going to change lives when people hear it, Marcia. That's a, a life-changing show. 
thank you for sharing that. Most certainly, most certainly. And uh, I, I, just, I just appreciate the honor of being able to be a witness for the glory of God. And, uh, and I want to thank you all for your work in the Lord and what you're doing to, to reach people for, the, for His glory. And, and one thing I, I just want to uh, impress upon those that are listening, God knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. He knows if you have physical ailments or if you've got a heart that's broken. He knows that if you're having a struggle in areas that you can't tell anyone about, you you wouldn't even want to share with your closest friend. But if you'll just turn to the Lord, bow your head and turn your heart toward God and just say, Lord, take my life. Take my life and put in it what you want in it. Otherwise, it won't be there. Because, Lord, I know I've tried. I've tried to be what you want me to be. And it's like I can't do it. So, Lord, I need you. I need you. And I thank you for seeing me through this time. And it's in the precious and holy name of Jesus that we all say, Amen. 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 Wow, Todd, don't you now say it's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> well, Martin, wow. I want to thank you for coming on. And, uh, yeah, I actually I look forward to listening to this show myself. Yeah, I do, too, again. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I, 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 uh, I know that uh, God is able to keep that which we commit unto him until that day. Yes, Amen. and 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 Lynn said on her way back into into Mexico, she had been done the funeral and all the things after Mom passed, and on the way she thought, "Gosh, she, I haven't even really grieved or whatever, been able to even think about." And the Lord spoke to her and said, "Your mom's having fun." Isn't that yeah, awesome? Wonderful. Well, you know, all of us have a time of mourning when we, when we yeah. have to say goodbye, either too early, or because our we've we are so close to our our parents or our our loved ones and our friends, and it's natural to to uh, have those feelings of 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 uh, uh, grief. But we are we know that God is God is not only with us but he's with our loved ones and and it comes to where we have to trust him that he's taking better care of them than we could and that they they are you know one one of the best things that we can know is that they don't see the sorrowing that we see here now that uh, all sorrows pass away when you get to be with the lord and he sees the end of our uh, and those in heaven get to see the end of our life. They know what's coming for us, and they're excited. And uh, so, I, you know, I, I think heaven's going to be a very interesting place. Don't you? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Thank you for sharing tonight, and I believe it'll help others see that it's going to be an interesting place and a wonderful place. Eternity oh, forever, forever. Yes. Bye-bye, Marcia. Thank you, Marcia. Appreciate it. To God be the glory. Amen. Mm-hmm.